It's time for your weekly dose of Wayne's Comics. Welcome to episode 331 of the Wayne's Comics Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. This week is a very special episode as I talk with two groups of high-octane comics creators about products that they have coming out this very week. Up first are the creators of Image Comics' new series, The Last Siege. Number one is coming out this week, and I get to talk with Landry Q. Walker, the writer, and Justin Greenwood, the artist. It's the first of an ongoing series, as I said, and it's going to be in comics shops this Wednesday, May 30th. It's described as a spaghetti western storytelling meets Game of Thrones atmosphere in a gritty medieval war story. So I'm sure you're going to enjoy what they have to say. Then everything wraps up with a fun interview with the creators of an already successful Kickstarter for a book series called Cat and Mouse. I talk with writer Roland Mann, penciler Dean Zachary, inker Barb Kaleberg, and colorist Kevin Gallagher about this new series that I think is going to recapture a lot of the adventure and the fun that we like to find in comics, and which I think is sorely lacking these days. The Kickstarter is going to conclude this Thursday, the 31st, and it's going to be done at noon Eastern Time. So there's not a tremendous amount of time left to contribute and pledge to it, but I think you're going to really enjoy this book. So once you get done listening to the fun interview that I have, I think you're going to want to head to Kickstarter and look for Cat and Mouse number one. There's a lot to get to in this episode, so let's get on with the show. Great to welcome to the podcast Landry Q. Walker, the writer of a great book called The Last Siege, and the artist Justin Greenwood. Landry, why don't we start with you? How are you doing? I'm doing well. And Justin, how about you? How are you doing? I'm doing great. I get to uh, escape from my kid's baseball game today. It's like a double bump. <laughs> we won't say that too loudly, though. <laughs> He's not here, so it'll be all right, I think. All right, all right. <laughs> Now, Landry, as I as I see, you're, it's described on Image Comics website as you're a California-based comic book writer for such works as Batman the Brave and the Bold, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, New Animated Adventures, The Incredibles comic series, Danger Club, and various other projects. So, is with, with your background in Incredibles, you must be looking forward to Incredibles too. Um, I mean, I, 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 uh, more or less, I did some work with this new one, so I've actually already seen it. So, oh. looking behind to it i guess okay. more than forward to it but as, as for those of us who are incredibles fans are we gonna like it do you think um i would imagine so okay. I, I i don't want to say you know uh uh yeah. get, get our hopes too high well no i mean it, it's it's i'm a big fan of pretty much the uh pixar library it's strange when you work on something that closely mm-hmm. and i wrote 20 issues of the comic i want to say plus wow. A slew of stuff with this new one that um, I think I'm just I've dissected this material. I am so close to it Mm -hmm. that 
I have no objectivity. I, uh, it, okay. it, it's, it can take some of the fun out of it sometimes. Yeah. Well, I yeah. Say. There was a friend of mine who, who likes to write novels based on TV shows, and he can't just watch a TV show anymore. He's sitting there looking at it like, I could turn that into a novel. Wait a minute, that could go into a novel. <laughs> so it's hard for him to, to get, enjoy TV shows any longer because of his yeah. what he does for a living. So I guess I can relate to that. So, okay. And Justin, it says on Image Comics website that you're a Bay Area comic artist best known on your creator-owned series like The Fuse, Stumptown, which I loved, Stringers, Wasteland, and Resurrection. Yeah. So you're a busy guy, well, sounds like. See, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to interrupt on Justin's here and call him a liar because he is no longer in the Bay Area. He has left us. It's oh. true. Behind. Okay. It's heartbreaking. We moved a couple hours towards Sacramento. It's really more Sacramento area now. We live in Folsom. Yeah, okay. that's why he's my enemy now. <laughs> oh, you're breaking my heart. <laughs> okay, well, anyway, the two of you are working on something together called The Last Siege. And I, I don't want to keep reading the Image Comics website, but let me read what, what they say about this, and we'll get into the specifics. A Tale of Blood, Desperation, and Loss. New York Times bestselling author Landry Q. Walker joins artist Justin Greenwood for a new ongoing series, The Last Siege. Spaghetti Western storytelling meets Game of Thrones atmosphere in this gritty medieval war story. As a mysterious star, a stranger arrives at a castle overrun with brutal soldiers bent on usurping the throne of the rightful heir, an 11-year-old girl. An action-packed, genre-twisting epic, The Last Siege. So it's, it's going to be good. I, I, I've gotten to read the first one. The release date is May the 30th, so it's going to be the, the week after Memorial Day. This will hit the, the stands, which will be really good, because I, and I'm looking forward to it. I, I really enjoy the fact that like some of the image books are not necessarily all set in New York City anymore. Right. You know, you're going into different eras and different places, and I like that quite a lot, because there was a... Uh, Green Valley, I thought I really liked that was set back in kind of somewhere around this time period. And it was very different. Uh, yeah, I remember that book. It was like uh, there was a twist like uh, dinosaurs or dragons, something yeah. out of right? I can't remember yeah. the gist of it. Yeah, it was it was it was a pretty good book. I liked it, and I, again, I like I love variety because I love to be able to see stuff that I haven't read before. And if, I think we have destroyed New York City ten times over by now in the Marvel universe. So, it can't handle another story. <laughs> the whole town will go will collapse yeah. if they do another yeah. thing. Although with the Infinity War now that, uh, oops, I don't want to spoil anything, but there's let's just say that not everybody survives Infinity War, shall we say? Have you seen it yet, Justin? Have you? Uh, I did. Have you seen it? Okay, good. Yeah. yeah. Okay. yeah. No, I don't. Want, you guys, I don't I, worry about it. It's other people. It's a nice topic, but it's it was very good though. No good. Good. I haven't seen it yet. I'm the one that hasn't seen it of the bunch because I I, I, I tend this. to wait until two parters, the second part, so I can see the whole thing at once rather than watch the first part and then. You know, all this stuff. But anyway, we won't get into that. But uh, let's get to the last siege, why don't we? We'll start with you, Landry, as far as, like, how did the last siege come together? Did Was it your creation and then uh, Justin came in, or did you, you come up with it together? How did you do it? Uh, this one goes back a ways for me. I um, I think I first put I, – I, I have a notebook here with um, my original pitch, actually, that I kind of wrote out in – I want to say 2002 <laughs> – was when I first uh, came up with the basic, uh, the basics of the story, and um, I didn't quite know how to approach it mm -hmm. uh, for a long time. So 
and I had, you know, many other different projects at different times that I was uh, wrangling. So I, I would come back to it periodically and uh, rework it I, I, and, and rework it and rework it and rework it. Um, never quite found the right tone until I finally looked back at my original. I got something I really liked. And then I looked, happened to look back at my notebook from 2002. And it's like, oh, I circled back. This is the exact same thing. <laughs> um, so once I, once I knew what I wanted out of it is when I approached Justin. How long ago was that, would you say? You know, I think it was, a, I mean, it was definitely more than two years. It could be as much as three. It was a while back. And I yeah. can't remember if we first talked about it at Emerald City or at one of the breakfasts. I, I don't remember, honestly, at this point. I want to say it was in Seattle one year. We have bre- we would, before he abandoned us, we would have breakfast fairly <laughs> regularly. Uh, uh, us and uh, uh, Nick Dragata and Eric Jones and any other comics creators we could, or comics people we could get in the area. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I knew Justin's work from... Uh, the fuse and and just from you know being another bay area guy uh and i instantly knew i wanted him on the book but i still didn't have it ready so i think i knew him for about a solid year before i approached him on it Hmm. but i knew i wanted him to work on it Mm -hmm. okay so what was it about doing a, a a comic in a different time period that appealed to you then landry well uh i i'm you know the uh I'm really fascinated with medieval war uh, stories. The um, kind of oh, any any of the pre-gunpowder generally um, sort of battles. The the visceralness of it. The um, pre-trench warfare in particular, I would say, because it's not necessarily pre-gunpowder, but it's um, pre what gunpowder did to war. Um, there is something just kind of fascinating about castles to me about an entire community is built around the idea of a stronghold um and uh there's also a very um i'm also a big fan and this may seem like a tangent of spaghetti westerns uh clint eastwood style uh westerns a stranger rides in town and kind of taking that kind of story beat those the story beats that you see in those films and transposing it into a medieval medieval setting i got kind of obsessed with that Hmm. okay because i haven't seen that before at least not that i know of and so that that makes it something unique as far as uh, the writing goes i hope so (laughs) (laughs) okay so okay so justin got involved talk about what it was about because you know most people in comics don't necessarily want to draw medieval times and settings and 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 costumes and things like that what was it about was it the story that got you i mean was it a challenge to be able to go and do something that's not something we see often in comics i think uh the answer has two parts one i do remember when larry i don't remember the specific where we were but i absolutely remember when he told me about this story and i know i got really the story really appealed to me but also landry's passion about it really got me fired up like it was just um it's a premise that's pretty easily digested but it can you can do a lot with it like it, it leaves a lot of room for i don't know playing around storytelling and innovation and i think on some level i'm also i'm selfish like i wanted to do something that was faster paced and i wanted to do something that is more action-based and i, I feel like this book is just full of that because hmm. you know this is ongoing this means you guys might have work for a while to go we hope yeah i mean every one of these stories these arcs are really they're really finite in, in individual like they work as really yeah. solid individual stories that have a very clear ending but they're all interrelated with each other directly 
Okay, yeah, well. we have uh, uh, our, our where we are right now is you know we've got an eight issue um, story planned and uh, we have two other arcs we would love to tell that are probably about the same length each. So I think we have mapped out as much as twenty four issues, but um, each one is kind of a separate story re- revolving around a central conceit. Hmm. Okay, you you said they're interrelated on some levels. I mean, not necessarily the same story ongoing, but maybe different individuals are, are parts of different stories. Is that what happens? That would be a, a good way to put it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we don't spoil too much here. We want to <laughs> we want to we want to tease. We don't want to necessarily spoil people. So this story out starts out as as I read it in the description. I was I had to say I was really surprised that eleven year old girl is where a lot of this stuff takes place around because mm-hmm. she's uh, right away in the as soon as you start to read the comic, you start to realize that uh, she's thrust into a situation that uh, I'm not sure she's prepared for. Eleven, she's probably not ready for you know having to take over power at that point so that makes her a real interesting sympathetic character i thought did you have to yeah, that, research that i mean was it was this, this didn't happen very often did it in the medieval times well in terms of children inheriting from their um parents it was it was really common uh with you saw it a lot less with women although um pre 1066 that was uh, when the normans conquered england uh from the saxons and in Saxon culture, um, women could inherit the the titles. They could um, uh, rise to power um, as opposed to it running through the male uh, uh, line. So you did see it. You didn't see it with uh, a lot of regularity, but it was a thing. And, 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 and there wasn't a lot of concern, of course, you know, in that time period for, oh, you're 11. You know, let's not worry about you until – there was some – concerned about the age majority when a a child was obviously young you had um regents who would often rule in their stead Mm -hmm. and uh, we explore a little of that with this but ultimately the power does come through the air and the air can be female just not common yeah see i I haven't heard of that before i I remember we've seen i mean game of thrones you mentioned that was mentioned earlier in the description we've seen some of that you know younger boys that have taken over and not necessarily done well but uh, yeah as as far as she goes you know in this first issue we don't get to see much of her character which is of course she's a blank slate that you can write on as we go forward from this issue but you know i want to ask justin though about her appearance and and you know did you have to do research as far as finding out what uh, lady catherine might look like in this time period um, I mean, in terms of costume, I mean, eleven-year-olds are kind of a kind of. I mean, that age is right in between a couple different age groups, so you have kind of some room to play around. But um, I mean, no, I guess I it's pretty typical research for that character in particular. We did a lot of research in general for the overall cast, mm-hmm. but uh, I don't know. I don't feel like she was a really difficult part of the equation. It's more just I focus on how she felt, you know, in terms of um, trying to put across so that she sort of wears her emotions right on her face, you know, and she doesn't do a lot of, spe- I mean, in the first issue, she doesn't talk really at all. So though I, I really yeah. want to make sure that she read clearly a certain feeling. Mm-hmm. And then as the story builds, you'll, you'll really learn a lot more about her. Cause they spend a lot of yeah. time talking about her rather than yeah. talking mm-hmm. with her. I mean, was that intentional? I mean, uh, Landry, as far as 
setting up the story and our feelings about her that's kind of an interesting thing because we feel sorry for her in that way because you know here she is in a situation she suddenly you know i don't want to get too detailed about it but you know she she's suddenly in there and everybody's talking about her and they're not talking to her i mean if that would happen to most 11 year olds i know they wouldn't be very happy with that yeah i mean this is a character who has you know um we wanted to present a character who both uh in our modern in our modern sense and in traditional sense has um very little agency in her own role she this is very this is in a lot of ways this is very much about her journey this is she uh we needed to start her as a character in um a very vulnerable place so we could explore how she reacts to it how she meets the challenges or does not meet the challenges how she grows how she succeeds or how she fails and uh taking her and literally having her be a, a non-player in the first issue it was you know we 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 had some discussion about it because it's um when you're doing a periodical you have to consider well no one's going to read this next installment for 30 days no one's going to read the one after that for 30 more and so on um, but I think that ultimately the payoff for being on the journey, on the ride with that character is worth it um, uh, to sacrifice that, like, that clarity of, of her um, development in those first issues, if that makes sense. Yep. You know, it's good because, you know, we care about her. I mean, you know, she's in a really tough situation, you know, on several levels. And so for us, it's something to see her. You know, we'll see her progress as she grows along. And then, of course, almost immediately we get into the action sequences, which I thought was great. You know, they, they, this person who they refer to as an Easterner shows up at what looks like a bar. It looks like it's inside the, the castle where she's at, If I'm unless I mis, you know, misunderstood that. And yeah. things that start to happen, let's just say... They, they take a, some people take a dislike to the way he looks and the way he acts. And right then a good old bar fight breaks out. And I, I, it's kind of fun. As far as like putting the bar fights together, of course, Justin, that the kind of thing you, you were interested in in this book was to do the action sequences, it sounds like. I mean, was it fun yep. to do these kinds of things? Because, you know, these, these kinds of action sequences, not everybody wants to do. I mean, some people prefer the, the dialogue, the talking head stuff. But this gave you a chance to do your action, uh, you know, flex your action muscles as far as these. Yeah, things. and the storytelling is for action is so much different. Like the pacing is so much different that the challenge was really fun. I, I come out of a lot of um, books I've worked on in the past are crime books or things that have very deliberate pacing or the pacing is sort of set up in a way that is very familiar on purpose. And I feel like um, this is the exact opposite end of that spectrum. And so it's fun to look at um, how to make action feel very immediate or how to make a, an impact feel really impactful. You know, that kind of energy is um, important. And I, and I just really am excited to get a chance to kind of play around with it, you know. You know, one of the things that's the hardest thing in my mind in action sequences is telling people apart. You know, sure. sometimes the action will happen and then two dark-haired people will start to fight. And then when they pull apart, I'm not sure which dark-haired person it is that I'm looking at suddenly. But with yeah. your art, I really had no trouble telling who was who, which really made the, a lot more fun for me to read because I really liked that. And I, oh, like I said, you. I get mystified by how some people portray these things. But I just thought it was such a nice, clear, easily understood, you know, <laughs> fight. I hate to say that. Oh, I appreciate that. 
That's actually, it's funny you say that. It's really important to me that that clarity, if you're too clear, sometimes you can lose the energy. And if you're not clear enough, you kind of lose the stakes on what's happening. So that's a, it's a really delicate balance, but it's something I've thought about a lot. And I'm, I'm glad to hear that that read uh, the way I intended it, because it's definitely an important factor for me. It's going to be fun going forward how you're going to be able to, because you've kind of set a standard now as to how these action sequences are going to flow. And yeah. so you, you, you don't want to repeat this from issue to issue, but on the other hand, you have to keep some of the same qualities going as you do these different action sequences. I'm sure they're going to be more than just this one as we go forward. So that, that's going yeah. to be a challenge for you. Totally. It's all going to be people studying okay. in temples from this point on. I just want to throw that in there. It's going to be no action. We we threw it all in the first issue. Yeah. It's, uh, what's pretty rad is that the first issue is really, I mean, every, I feel like with this arc, every issue gets bigger and a little bloodier. And I think um, the the beginning salvo I feel has a lot of action, but the it's relatively mild in terms of, um, you know, the, the stakes are pretty manageable. Every issue just gets bigger and bigger. Like uh, there's a sequence in the second one where, Someone gets beaten. <laughs> it's pretty, pretty bad. You know, pretty rough stuff. Well, there's a lot of blood in this stuff. I, again, I like it when, when things are realistic in that sense. I don't want people to be, you know, punching each other and then they just kind of stand right back up again and say, "Well, I didn't bother me." You exactly. Know, I don't like yeah. that kind of stuff. But uh, then, of course, Landy throws a massive curveball, which I would never reveal. But let's just say that in the middle of a fight, something gets revealed or something takes place that makes everything uh, it changes the complexion of what's all going on and i like that i thought i i love when people surprise me in comics i've been reading comics now for decades and when something surprises me i love that and so i was really surprised when that's when great i was so shocked and i i i i'm so tempted to reveal it by darren i, <laughs> I want to make sure people are surprised themselves when they read it and there's this such a, a interesting thing that happens that just it's going to have an impact on what moves forward. But I mean, you must have had that plan from when you were writing the script originally to. Have well, I, I, you know what? I'm going to throw myself under the bus here and say no. That became I. There, there are aspects of story because it's always. Um, well, my basic synopsis is intact from 16 years ago. There are always curveballs that you uh, find yourself throwing um to keep yourself interested go the the the, the process of writing kind of takes on its own uh i don't know you well, i'm trying to find the right way to put it mm-hmm. it's a it's an organic process mm-hmm. and as you're going um you're going to find things and find paths uh, uh that you weren't necessarily intending and in this instance the 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 material you're referring to mm-hmm. it was a last edition I was going to go in a different direction, mm-hmm. and I got to this point and said, "No, this this is this is going to work better," and just rolled with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm glad it was effective because it was kind of a a, a last minute roll of the dice for me. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't want to spoil anything, but that last page surprised me. I was excellent. I was very surprised because it's let's just say that it ends up in a different place than where the book starts. And we'll leave it at that. And I, I was really very surprised. Of course, now I have to know what's going to happen in the next issue because, you know, I am totally surprised as the things move forward. I mean, the action is fun. It keeps my attention. The, the, the surprising things that happen keeps me going. And, of course, you know, the different setting. All this stuff is really appealing to me as far as making this book something that's going to stand out, I think, as far as people who like to read stories that are not necessarily the same old stuff. So I just have to say, 
I think that the two of you together made this first book really, really sparkle. I really liked it. Oh, cool. Thanks, man. Yeah, thank you. Now, there's something interesting in the end of the book that I, I wanted to touch on just briefly, and this has got to mm-hmm. be Landry's thing. There's The King Rises, Chapter 1. Yes. And that's a text thing, you know? That's another thing. You, you guys like to go where comics don't normally, you know, where comics fear to tread. And on the back, on one of the pages, there's a text story that's going on. Talk to me the, about this, and, you know, you know, Justin's kind of, he does, maybe you did the top part where there's a, a chapter one and there's a couple of pictures of birds and stuff like that. But as far as the story goes, and stuff, is this, how does this relate to the rest of the comic? Uh, well, first off, I think, just to clarify, uh, Justin, is, it, is that the stuff that Keith put together, I think? Yeah, Keith designed uh, that. He, he took some elements from uh, earlier in the book and just and created all that uh, design work so that it had a nice header. It looks okay. awesome. Yeah, he did a really great job of that. Um, as far as the material goes, uh, there's, there's, you know, the scope of this kind of story. We're doing a medieval war epic. It is, uh, if you read the, I, I, I like to include um, aspects, non-comics aspects that enhance the story. You don't need it. Mm-hmm. But if you read this, and we're going to run... Um, the, the, an ongoing text piece in probably every issue, um, they will supplement the story. You don't have to have them, but if you want to enrich your experience with the story, there is some corresponding, uh, this material will kind of uh, correspond and tell you other aspects of the story that may not be self-evident and bring you to kind of ideally the right boiling point when we reach into the crescendo of our first arc. So this is, are, are the stories going to be unrelated? I mean, are they going to be like individual stories having to do with that issue as opposed to like an ongoing story from issue to issue? Oh, it's an ongoing. It oh, will, it it's, it's, yeah, each, each one will um, advance that particular thread. Okay, so you've basically got two stories per comic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Which is, not many comics do that very well, I have to say. Sometimes they'll do this stuff and I'll go like, what has that got to do with? But I really thought that that was a, a nice way to, to do that. And, and again, it fits sort of the era, you know, because in that time period, writing, you know, and text was a big deal. You know, you'd have people, monks, for example, sitting around, you know, writing, transcribing things all this time. Well, so, it's interesting you point that out because... One of the genesis for this book was a, a monks put together these series of texts called the um, the Saxon Chronicle, mm-hmm. and they started writing these in like 800 AD. Mm-hmm. And I was reading these, you know, back 16 years ago. Um, this bit uh, that ref- referenced the Battle of Hastings, it referenced um, the the uh, the Norman invasion of England. And there was this bit, and it was all written from the Saxon perspective because it's the Saxon Chronicle about their culture, their their uh, history. And there was this bit of text written, and I'm going to paraphrase it really badly here, but um, the gist of it is uh, they they uh, they filled the land with castles, and they filled the castles with devils. Hmm. And um, that's actually written in my uh, notebook that I've mentioned several times now. Um, and so I think that's one of the reasons I felt kind of compelled to throw this text piece in because that was kind of the genesis, these, these written histories that have survived for thousands of years or hundreds of, anyway, mm-hmm. uh, you know, um, to kind of, you know, play off that aspect of, of history. Hmm. 
It's, it's really interesting because it does add a little context to the story. Now, how related to the comic is the is, is the written story? Is it a, a something that's a, is it a prequel? Is it a part of the story? How what's it going to have to do with the the story? I would I would call it a prequel. Okay, um, but it's. Uh, the the two stories move closer together as we progress. Hmm. Okay, so something to pay attention to when you're, you know, if if you're put off by text, you may not want to be put off by text. You may want to stop and actually read this for a change. We did try to set it up so that you won't have a lesser experience if you don't read this text. Because we did, I think I wrote the first five issues in comics form before I went back and wrote these prose pieces. So. Um, <laughs> Is that right, Justin? What do you say? Yeah, yeah, that's right. The, the story really does stand on its own, but but these additional pieces really they do add a lot of uh, kind of salt and pepper that will be relevant eventually. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. really good. And of course, I have to, as you read the description of the book, and there's all kinds of stuff. This is kind of one of the very last places that has not been conquered, and it's yeah. called the Last Siege. And of course, that's a good title because we don't know what's going to happen as a result of the last siege. We don't know whether they're going to fall, whether you know they're going to be able to survive and and, and put them off, which I really like about. It. I think titles are one of the most uh, uh, things that people don't realize that it's done for a reason. And I think that you're telling the story in a few words, and you're giving us a chance to figure out. You know what we expect out of it, and I, that's one of the things I like about it is that title really sings to me as far as where we're going. And of course, you know, this is an ongoing. You've got a. <laughs> this could be a <laughs> long last siege as far as it goes, because there's all these things happening. And it, I, do you guys have in mind a way that this could wrap up if you had to? I mean, let's say you get to 50 issues and suddenly you decide you've done all the story you want. Do you have an idea where you want this to end up? I think we have at least... Sorry, go ahead, Justin. I've been... Well, I was just going to say, because each of the arcs is so self-contained, I think I think any of them make a wrap with any single one, but we'd like the ability to tell the story as long as we intend, you know? Does that, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Do you have any idea of how many issues you would like to do? I mean, it's an ongoing, of course, you want it to go as long as, as you would like it to go. But, you know, some people think 50 issues. Some people think 100 issues. Do you guys have any ideas as to how long you would like the story to go? How much support you'd like the fans to be able to show to keep the storytelling going? Well, we will go no matter what. Like, even if this book completely didn't sell, we would go to uh, – we'd complete our first arc, which is eight issues. We're okay. fully 100% committed to that. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, In a perfect world, I would say I couldn't uh, – I, I don't have any plans. Like, if we, if we count the very loosest notes of what we could do, I would say 32 issues is um, at the very least. But by the time we got to – 20 issues we would probably be able to do 60 issues and by the time we got to 60 issues you know it's it's all about reach there there's of course a saturation point where we might reach go you know i just can't think of anything we want to do with this but right now i've got enough notes Justin and i've talked enough about this i think we both have enough passion and interest in this world that we could go as long as the readers are interested enough to support the book very good. Very good. Now, as, of course, you, you, you bring up uh, an interesting point. As far as you guys working together on this, as, as you go through the story, are you coming up with other ideas? You know, because some folks in the industry say that you've got to have a plan. You've got to know exactly where you're going to go in every episode of a show or every 
comic. You have to know exactly what. Then when you get done, it's over. But it sounds to me like you guys have ideas that keep developing as you guys work through the story. Something new might be coming up. Is that what you're finding happening? Um, well, I would. That's kind of always the way I think. Yeah. It's like you you have to have a lockdown idea of your beginning, middle, and end for your story. But we work in an industry that works in arcs, so coming up with ideas for other arcs, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, is 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 not really a problem. It's like they it, that just kind of flows. There was, there was one guy in the industry who had a five year arc. And we used to refer to it as the high and holy five-year arc because <laughs> that was all that there was ever going to be. It was that. And then, of course, reality got in the way, and it didn't quite turn out the way he expected. So I, I, I'm always interested in, in people writing because I think as, like, like, as creators get together and talk about stuff, something might rise up to you that you hadn't considered before. And I always, sometimes that might be better than what you originally planned, as good as that was. So I'm always interested when people develop these kinds of storytelling and you don't necessarily have to follow the same plan for, say, the 32 issues. You, you might go somewhere else. No, and I think yeah, you have to be willing to be flexible on that because if you want the best story you can get out of it, a lot of times you're, you're going to think of something either better or different or a step off to the left or right that could be as interesting or more and if you're so hung up on your on some sort of overall plan you're probably going to get in your own way on in some ways you know i don't know many projects where somebody said i'm going to start this thing and then five years <laughs> later i'm going to have the whole thing predicted it's exactly what i intended right from the beginning I, i've never known a project where it was like that honestly oh i could I have names. a <laughs> i have i have a saying when it comes to writing I, i've adopted a popular saying and i apply it to this sort of scenario which is no plan survives contact with the enemy <laughs> and plots and uh, uh, are the plan, and the enemy is the actual writing of it. Mm-hmm. And every time you sit down to write a story, your plot has a, the danger of going right out the window, and you have to be willing to throw it out the window. If you're not willing to throw it out the window, you're not going to stay excited about your story. And if you're not excited about your story, how right. can you expect the readers to be excited about your story? Mm-hmm. It's very true, very true. And I, I think that uh, this book is off to a great start. Now, I do want to commend the covers. I love. I think the covers are very well done. They, they communicate a lot of story just in that one image, which I always think is something very important. You oh, know, well, thanks. I'm, i got to give it the key, too. Like, those logos, his design sense is so strong that I feel like it. he adds something really striking to the book by being a part of it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, overall, we've had, I mean, I, I, I'm so pleased with the team we have on this book. We've got um, Eric Jones is a, a longtime collaborator of mine. We've worked together on many projects before. He's he's come in and he's working on, on colors and done this very kind of organic, textured, sort of atmospheric mood to it. Uh, we've got um, Pat on, on letters. I've worked with him on numerous projects, but always through editors. We've never worked in com- in communication directly, but I mean, I think... He worked on my Supergirl book. He worked on my Mad Hatter book for DC. We worked on a bunch of stuff for Sideshow and Court of the Dead. So it's really great to have him involved in this. Um, we worked uh, on in pieces here and there with another colorist, Brad, who is just really, really good. And, and what he's doing with the covers, it's gonna it's gonna sell the book more than my words can. That's for sure. <laughs> so you know. Well, I also want to talk about the colors. You mentioned the colorist. Yeah. I think that the the choice of colors are really good. A lot of this book, when I think of medieval times, I think an awful lot of rain, 
And, you know, there's, it's, for some reason, it rained and rained and rained. And, and almost all of this book, in fact, I think in the entire book, there's a lot of rain going on in there. Uh, you know, and, of course, that makes the fighting all the harder. You know, you're splashing around in the mud and all this good stuff. And, of course, people want to get inside out of the rain. But even the insides, the colors are a little duller and a little darker as far as things go. And I like that because it kind of fits the tone of the story real well. And, you know, even when the blood comes out, it's not necessarily really bright red. It's, it's sort of a subdued red. So the whole thing that goes on, and, and the best part is, though, people like to stand out in the rain, apparently, because they, they, <laughs> you know, the last page is everybody's out in the rain, and I, got a, I, I had to get a huge kick out of that. I, I thought, you know, most people go inside and, and make their dramatic things, but at least in this book, they like to stand out in the rain. And I don't, you know, it's dramatic enough that you don't really notice initially. I had to read it like the second time I, start, I realized, oh, they're out in the rain. <laughs> I but think I if a bar fight starts out in front of your house, you're, you're going to want to go take a look. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, maybe. Yeah. Well, I don't, depends on your personality, but I think there's not exactly like they're watching television, you know? Yeah, it's kind of like the neighbors are shouting. you got to go out there right. and see what's happening. Yeah. The um, A lot of that, i gotta, I gotta, I got to pin that on Justin because I don't – I may have suggested rain in the initial issues. I'm really glad we, we went with that um, sort of effect because he's really created a um, – it's really enhanced the mood, the atmosphere, and this kind of sense of, of, of oppression and forebo- foreboding mm-hmm. with the this heavy storm cloud sort of feeling uh, that really helps sell the tone. And I've noticed that uh, pretty much everything Justin is doing here is in service of that tone. Mm-hmm. Is a, a deep a deep level of concern to make sure that we are are communicating story with every choice we make that helps keep me on target helps keep eric on target helps keep all of us on target so i'm i'm i think it's really uh benefited the book well i still love that last page i think that it is such a great you know you resolve some things but you set up some things with that last page and uh, not many last pages do that and so i really like that uh, that that now i'm anxious to see the second issue which is already you know you could talk to you guys it got me even more interested in i think it's going to be a great book i think the series is one of those things that I, I don't, I, you know, I don't know who's listening, but uh, this would make a wonderful HBO series or somebody or one of those other, maybe Netflix or somebody might really like this because this has got, it's got that TV, uh, I, the characters are vibrant, the the things that happen are such that I could see them, I, I mean, when I was looking at them, I saw motion between panel to panel so I, I i got this feeling that this is one of those books that could very easily either be a movie or a, a ongoing tv show or something like that so i don't know if anybody's listening out there because this is one of those books you really ought to look at in my opinion for that well there's um there's an interesting thing uh between that's evolved between comics and television in terms of the, the style of storytelling and that um Traditionally, comics are, you know, either very single issue oriented or very episodic by their nature. And I am a huge fan of episodic fiction. We've seen television really evolve into showcasing episodic fiction in in this tremendous way to where, you know, there's television shows that overshadow film. Um, So we have approached these issues and I like to approach most of my comic storytelling with very every issue has to have its own arc, its own beginning, its own middle, its own end. And while it may be in service of a larger story, it may be uh, rolling in and leaving you with a cliffhanger. Um, you want to feel like you've gotten a sense of satisfaction. And I've read a lot of comics 
that just feel like they just stop because mm-hmm. they wrote a, a large story and then they cut it into say six chapters and that's not what we're doing here we need to, every issue is its own its own creature um and television is doing a similar thing so it, it makes sense you might feel that kind of similarity yeah well i like it real well because there was somebody i knew that put together a, a, a three musketeer book and at the very end it all wrapped up nice and neatly and i was like well series over I don't have to read any more. This is all done with. And they were saying, well, no, you're not supposed to say that. You're supposed to say it ended so well that you have to know what's going to go on next. I said, why? (laughs) It's all done. I said, you don't have to go on. But see, you wrapped that up in such a way, and I I hate to keep referring to something I I don't want to spoil, but you wrap it up in such a great way that I think that people are going to be enticed to come back for the the second issue and and want to know what's going to happen next. I think it's just really great. Awesome. Well, I think that this is off to a terrific start. I, the first issue alone has got me hooked. It's called The Last Siege, and it's going to be coming out on Wednesday, the 30th of May, which is not far away. And I guess, is it going to pretty much uh, arrive every uh, every uh, every month at that time of the month? Yeah, I think we uh, there is uh, technically a five-week between issue one and issue two, because okay. it gets into the next... Just because of the way the uh, since we hit the very end of the month the first time, mm-hmm. we fall into the uh, first week of the next month, and then we're on the first week of every. Is that right, Justin? Every first week of every month. That sounds That's right. Yeah, I think it's four. It's they're four weeks apart uh, after issue two. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. look forward to that. The beginning of the month. The first one you got to go out and get this on the thirtieth, and then after that, the first Wednesday of the month, be sure to look out for this because it's going to be a book I think you're going to really enjoy and it's going to be something that is worth you seeking out because you might want to make sure your store has ordered it. Normally image comics sell reasonably well enough for stores to order it but they don't always do it. Not every store does that so you might want to make sure yours puts an order in for the last siege and get that going. So Landry and Justin you're doing a great book. I can't wait to see what you have in store for us and 32 plus issues. I think you're going to tell us a great story that's going to be definitely worth following along. I think it's terrific. Cool. Thanks so much Wayne. We appreciate it. Thank you. People need dramatic examples to shake them out of apathy and I can't do that as Bruce Wayne. As a man I'm flesh and blood. I can be ignored. I can be destroyed but as a symbol Get the latest from the comics universe. News, interviews, previews, and reviews. Listen to the weekly Wayne's Comics Podcast so you can keep reading your comics. It's great to welcome back to the podcast, Roland Mann, writer of such good things as Demon's Tales and Cray and uh, Planet of the Apes, Blood of the Apes, among other things. And he's got some friends with him this time. He's got people who are working on a book called Cat and Mouse, number one, which is doing really well at Kickstarter. Roland, uh, why don't you talk about that and then we'll introduce the other folks. 
Okay. Yeah, we've got uh, a Kickstarter going to uh, raise funds for the first issue of our four-issue miniseries. We're planning on kickstarting all four issues, and uh, the first issue, the Kickstarter for the first issue, is going really well. Uh, I'm excited to tell you that we were fully funded in 48 hours, and I will confess to you, it, it caught us a little by surprise. And literally, we have not we have not stopped running since then. We've just been kind of going nonstop from from one thing to the next thing to the next thing. Uh, yesterday, we just had uh, our third stretch goal unlocked. Uh, I haven't even had the chance to get the image up to say the third stretch goal is unlocked yet, and we're 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 inching past it on our way towards the the fourth stretch goal. So um, th- these are fantastic problems to have, uh, but yeah, it caught us a little bit off guard, and we're very excited. So now we're just trying to get folks to say, hey, look, you know, we're fully funded, the book is done, come give us a shot. Yeah, the book's not over when the money's raised. You have other things that you can do as well yep. with the money. So that's a good thing to have. That's a, as you're right, that's a good problem to have because, man, there's a lot of people I know who didn't quite make that. And yeah. That's tough stuff to say. Now, other folks we got with us. Let's go to, why don't we do ladies first? Barb Kaleberg, the inker of the book. How are you doing, Barb? I'm doing well tonight. Thank you for having me. Now, you're a veteran comic book inker of over 25 years. I, we, won't, we won't go into that. But uh, you've worked for DC, Marvel, Image, and many other companies. How did you know Roland, and how did you get involved in this project? Well, actually, we, all four of us uh, that are working on the book, the, uh, the writer, the penciler, the inker, and the colorist, we're all old alums from Malibu Comics. Mm. Um, Roland was one of my editors. And I've um, penciled or I've inked over my penciler, uh, Dean Zachary, before. Um, actually, I, I worked on Planet of the Apes as well. So cool. I did 11 issues of that. Cool. So we've, we're, all, we're all kind of connected through Malibu. Mm-hmm. Which is good. I'm, I'm sorry that company still isn't around because I think if they were still making comics, they'd probably be one of the, the sterling comic companies of the day. In my humble opinion, because they did that. So anyway, they were good. So all right, let's get. And we've got with us Kevin Gallagher. How are you doing, Kevin? Hello. I'm doing great, thanks. Now you're the Colonel of Color, as it says on the uh, uh, the Kickstarter. <laughs> and you've That's done. Right. It's we talked because I have silver hair. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> now you worked on such shows as Gotham, and my understanding is you worked before. You're not currently involved with it, but you did in the earlier seasons. Yes, uh, worked uh, seasons one through three uh, doing uh, special effects, uh, matte painting uh, on uh, the first few seasons, mm-hmm. as well as Stranger Things and Westworld and uh, a variety of different shows that have been really a lot of fun. But yeah, Gotham was, I mean, talk about a, a dream to be able to dis- help design Gotham. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a, a re- re- not reboot, but kind of help extend the uh, mythology of, of Gotham and Batman. It was really cool to be a part of that. But now there's supposed to be an Alfred uh, pre-show coming on one of the channels. nice thing about all these different channels is they can do whatever they want, and there's mountains of comics they can choose from. Any, oh, chance, any chance you might work on that one? I don't know. You know, um, I had heard that they were going to do that a couple years ago, and then I heard it got shelved. So by... You mentioning that it's going to happen, that's uh, that's the first I've heard of it. So that's actually pretty cool. So if you're listening. <laughs> 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 
Uh, you know, that, that, that's a cool project. Uh, I'm on a bunch of cool projects right now. <laughs> and as a matter of fact, uh, the trailer just dropped for the Happy Time Murders that I'm working on. Just look it up, but don't look, look it up in the office. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what I understand, it's going to be it's going to be called Pennyworth, which of course is Alfred's last name. Oh, nice. So that's what's going to happen. It's on a network I haven't heard of before, so you never know what's going to go on with that. Oh, I think we're getting the the fourth member of this Fantastic Four coming in here. Yeah, we'll see trying if, to. If, see if he can come in there. Dean Zachary is the penciler. And he's called the Grandmaster of Graphite. Hopefully he'll he'll pop in here any second now. But yeah. uh, Skype is a wonderful thing. And I'm tell him, do not call me. Not wonderful. <laughs> this is right at the moment. So, well, while you're working on that, Roland, maybe what we'll do is we'll Sorry. talk. That's all right. We'll talk a little bit with Kevin about the color. Talk about the color of Cat and Mouse. And uh, you know what? Uh, it if it provided some challenges for you as far as a coloring goes, because I, I've noticed that you like to do gradient fills and stuff like that quite a lot, which makes it gives it a lot of, of texture to it. Talk about choosing colors for the different characters and for the backgrounds, especially like in New Orleans where it's located. Well, it's funny that you mention uh, the uh, techniques because yeah, one of the techniques I like to use is, is a lot is uh, color pull out of the line art too which is a lot of fun with raindrops and smoke and fog but yeah the 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 word is atmosphere and uh, another word is mood it's uh, the drawings i'm working from are so fun and it, it gives me so many potential light sources to uh to really establish mood and there's this there's this uh, mysterious feeling about this book uh that is just it just gives me that opportunity to play lighting director hmm. and uh, that's that's what i would say yeah and, uh, <laughs> <if> I... <laughs> sorry <laughs> the duck falls from the ceiling mm-hmm. <laughs> um yeah and uh this line art allows me to really explore and and uh push uh, i like to to render with the soft gradients i like to to play it with a off with a hard edge, um, and uh, we're really getting to explore that with this book. It's been it's been really, really great. Very cool. And I see we have added to us the penciler Dean Zachary. How are you doing, right. Dean? Are you good? I'm great. How are you guys? Good to see you. Good. He was just talking. Kevin was just talking about the art. Why don't you give us a little more uh, background on like did you fashion the people after people you knew did you you know what how did you design the costumes and things like that because it's a lot of interesting things as far as and, and of course the background the nolens as they like to call it background talk about some of the work that you did on cat and mouse for that sure on the idea that takes place in new orleans i felt that the environment and the city itself be an active character in the piece so the idea was to give it, I'm sure Kevin's got this ready, atmosphere and tone and a rich supernatural undertone as well. So in my take on the city, I'm not only using uh, photo reference of actual locations, mansions, street corners, uh, Garden Street, obviously, and many other well-known areas of the city, but I'm adding my own uh, hyper-realistic treatment in terms of Spanish moss, fog, rain, any kind of saturation to give us a feeling that we are in uh, a heightened reality uh, version of, of New Orleans. That was the first step that I took to give it uh, flavor. The second step as I proceed characters, Roland and I had, had discussed 
that we wanted their costumes not to really be costumes, but to be more in a realistic vein of a uniform. Um, and so functional, yeah. yeah, very utilitarian. Very utilitarian. So what I tried to imagine was uh, a couple of teenagers, what they could get their hands on in terms of uh, from an army surplus store, what have you, for reasonably priced uh, materials, both uh, as far as hoodies, vests, boots, gloves, uh, and even martial arts weaponry. I wanted to make it a utilitarian and, and a hyper-realistic view rather than the traditional superhero spandex where everyone winks and nods and just says, oh, yeah, they just found a really cool spandex outfit and it worked. Yeah, and, and all the girls are wearing two Band-Aids and a cork, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> and a cork. And a cork. And a cork. Oh. And, in the, well, and, you know, in the 90s, there was also claws. Remember? It was the era of... Uh, Busty ladies and claws. So, uh, you know, but but then these characters have claws, but, but it's much more realistic in terms of clawed gloves. And um, uh, the the other thing is that they the two main characters don't get their final uh, costume uh, or or I should say identifiable uniforms to the characters themselves until they become cat and mouse. So. That, that's up to, to Roland when he times that out. But in the first issue, we're meeting them as they are in the process of becoming the characters. So we're seeing a much grittier sort of what I call found um, costume wear, found uniform stuff, stuff that's just street wear. But it, it's an uh, I guess it's a hint, a foreshadowing of what they'll be wearing later on without going all the way. Uh, there and then, as far as characterizing the two main characters' uh, ethnicity, uh, um, we wanted we wanted to have uh, Mouse is a Hispanic young lady, and she's a runaway, and she's sort of a punk, um, and so you've got a swath of colored hair and sort of an odd half-shaved head haircut. She's got a lot of attitude, and she's actually a better fighter than brett who becomes cat her name is bobby um and so we wanted to play the fact that she's actually in many ways a stronger character but flawed and then brett is more a little bit more of the traditional just average guy who just graduated from the police academy wants to do good is maybe a little bit naive about what it's really like to face problems in the street and so on and so forth so characters have to be trained through the experiences of the story so when i gave them their their look um i wanted to reflect uh that growth that attitude that we're at first they're a little bit young and naive, and as the story progresses, you'll see them get a little tougher, maybe a little more angular as we go as we go through. And they'll even behave differently. You know, at the beginning, it's just swinging fists and kicks. Although Bobby's a lot more advanced than Brett is, but as we go, I'm also going to increase the complexity of the martial arts action as well. So I hope that uh, gives you somewhere to, to to start with as far as how I this, approach design. So this is very much uh, their origin story, Wayne. So this is you know for for readers who are, are, are getting in on this, this is the origin of Cat and Mouse. 
Mm-hmm. Now, why don't you talk a little bit about history? Because this isn't the first time you've written Cat and Mouse. Why don't we talk a little bit about that and get into the characters? Dean's done a good job of introducing us to them. Why don't you do a little more on the history and, and fill out the, who the characters are? Sure. Uh, well, I have to be, be uh, very clear to say these are not the same characters that I'm about to tell you about, but uh, Cat and Mouse does have a history. They were uh, – we, we first published Cat and Mouse in 1989 uh, with a company called EF Graphics. Uh, EF Graphics uh, published also a book called Jazz Age Chronicles, of which I was a fan. Um, and unfortunately, they only published one issue of Cat and Mouse, and then they went out of business. Hmm. <laughs> uh, I think they published – Three of Jazz Age. I'm not real sure, uh, but but what we did is we took those published copies and we just sent them around to publishers. We just said, hey, look, you know, we're looking for, you know, we did the first issue. We're looking for a, a new home. Uh, here's the first issue. We've already got the next couple of issues done because I think we had by that time. I think we had about four issues complete. And so we we got a couple of different. I won't I won't go into to talking about the companies that uh, we we didn't go with, but we ended up with Malibu Comics. Uh, we were with their air sale imprint, and a lot of folks remember Malibu Comics because uh, this is the company that obviously ultimately did uh, Ultraverse, but Malibu also did the Protectors line. They did um, the Ferret, uh, uh, Man of War, Dinosaurs for Hire, X Mutants, um, Star Trek. The Star Trek that was with uh, I think that was under the Adventure line. I'm not sure. Could be. I know Planet of the I know the Planet of the Apes stuff was under the Adventure the Adventure line. Yes, it was. Uh, yep. Uh, Cat and Mouse was under the Air Cell line. Um, and of course, then you know there was Eternity had the the Ninja High School and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, <laughs> what's that? They had Tiger X too. Tiger X, that's right. Yeah, and a lot of other things that um, you know some good, some not so good. But yeah, so we ran for about two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were in uh, – for, for folks who have been reading for a while, they probably remember Comic Shop News. Comic Shop News put Cat and Mouse in the top ten black and white comics for about half of the run. Mm-hmm. I think the highest we ever made it was number four behind you know such titles as you know, Cerebus. Um, so it was kind of exciting to, to be there. Uh, this These characters, though, are – again – I have to be quick to say they're not the same characters. Now, uh, for the readers who who read Cat and Mouse, then they're going to recognize um, the same uh, mood and spirit and tone and emotion. It's going to have the same feel as Cat and Mouse. It's just not the same characters. Uh, we left those two. Um, we left the original Cat and Mouse in Japan, and that's where they're going to stay. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, they're gone. They're retired. I have no idea what's happened to them now that they've been in Japan. So these are two brand new characters, uh, and we're trying, telling brand new stories. Um, that said, there are a couple of secondary characters that uh, hopefully fans are anticipating will show up. And of course, you know, we don't want to disappoint them, so we're going to have them show up, but we're just not going to tell them how. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's that's cool. kind of exciting. And I I, I got to say, Dean just this week sent me some. Uh, Awesome drawings of one of them, which I, I will not mention by name, uh, but I've just got so excited. Matter of fact, if, if I were a cheat man, I would – oh, but there's no video here. So I, I would point my camera in that direction and, and kind of – because I have it sitting right over there so I can look at it. <laughs> <laughs> very good, very good. Now, talk a little bit about what the basic 
premise is. I, I, I do have to say one thing to start. I'm really surprised. Well, I think one of the very first times, well, except for Catman, this is the first time we got a male who's the cat character. It's usually the female that's the cat. <laughs> you know, of course, you got Black Panther too. There's there's other ones, but it's it's much more likely to have Catwoman and oh gosh, Cheetah. You name them all. They're all the all the the women are usually the cat characters. Sure. sure. Well, some of the some of the idea behind the the sort of the original thought process behind this was cat and mouse. When people talk about cat and mouse, they often say they're playing a, a cat and mouse game, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and usually, when they think of that, when when they mention cat and mouse, the the idea of a chase, right? Mm-hmm. Someone giving chase to someone else. And so, kind of initially, the idea was that oh, hey, we've got this cat chasing a mouse. Obviously, here's the guy chasing the gal, which was again the original. The original, not that it couldn't be the other way around, but it's just kind of uh, what we did the the original time out. Moonlighting was a. Um, if anybody remembers that TV show um, that had Bruce, Bruce Willis. Bruce yeah, thank Willis. You. Yeah, um, that was that Shepherd. was. Uh, yep, that was some inspiration for the original Cat and Mouse because I was watching some of that and I kind of liked the idea. Bones was a little bit the original Bones, right? Mm-hmm. You kind of have the idea that you know he's kind of they they kind of played a Cat and Mouse game, the two of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of like that idea, and so there's a little bit of that. Um, the other thing is, you know, you can't really have a dude called Mouse, right? I mean, you <laughs> could, I guess, but. <laughs> So, so talk about who Cat and Mouse are. I mean, Dean uh, took uh, did a sum of that, but why don't you go ahead and look? Brett is, I guess, Cat, and then Bobby is Mouse. Who? Yeah. What's the story with them? Yeah. So, so the setup for the story is um, Bobby is the younger sister of uh, Brett's ex-fiance. Essentially, Brett gets dumped uh, right after he graduates high school, and she leaves because she doesn't want to marry a cop. Brett wants to go be a cop. She goes off to school, leaves him behind, but then calls him and says, hey, my kid's sister ran away. She ran to New Orleans. Will you go get her? Um, so Brett, because you know he's still in love with the girl who dumped him, he goes to New Orleans, gets the kid's sister. Uh, or I should say he goes to New Orleans in order to get the kid's sister, and that's where the story kind of picks up as he is after um, the runaway kid's sister of his ex fiance. And, 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 of course, they stumble because it's a comic book, right, in this fiction. They stumble onto a uh, human trafficking chain uh, organization, and uh, a lot of nastiness is revealed. One of the things that uh, I, I certainly get passionate about is, uh, you know, we have a lot of that going on in the United States, and so much, so much of it is just ignored. Yeah, you know, I, I, as a father, two kids, uh, my youngest is graduating high school. Um, this week, so they're not real little anymore. But as a father of two kids, that kind of stuff just really, really scares me and bothers me. Just the idea that right under our noses, this I mean, I live in Orlando, okay? It is the number one human trafficking city in the United States. Mm. It happens right here. And so, yeah, I get, I get a little worked up about that. So I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, again, it's a comic book, so we want to have fun, but I'm hoping that. Through the story, there's going to be people that go. You know what? This is this is a real thing. I, I want to try to get involved to to, to help make this uh, modern day, you know, human slavery go away. Mm. Well, I would like to see that happen. That's for sure. Because uh, yeah, I like those kinds of things. But uh, now, Roland, talk to me a little bit about how the four of you did this. Did you guys? come together as what kind like like the dean say i'd like to draw such and such and barb's also has things that she likes and yeah so how'd that work out 
Yeah, so we were kind of um, – it kind of came together a little bit like the Beatles, I guess. Um, so uh, I, had been, I had been talking to Dean for, for some time, uh, this and that, and Dean was doing some other stuff and, and chit-chatting, and, and we were going back and forth on, uh, on Facebook and that kind of thing. And finally, we just said, hey, let's, let's do a thing, right? And so we started working on a thing, which wasn't cat and mouse, by the way. Uh, we we you know we got the story outlined. Dean started drawing some pages, and uh, and so we started to okay. Well, now let's build a team. And uh, I said, well, dude, you're the penciler. Who do you want? He goes, let's go after my number one inker. Let's go after Barb. And I'm like, okay, I'll leave that totally up to you. I've worked with Barb. I know I know her and love her. So yeah. And so literally like within a day, he emails me back. Barb's on board, dude. And I'm like, <laughs> what? That was fast. <laughs> so I'm so uh, easy. <laughs> <laughs> so Kevin was a little bit different, though. So, so uh, on Facebook, there's a uh, private, uh, there's a private g- group for Malibu Comics alum, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, of course, you know how those those groups are. Uh, occasionally, folks begin to to reminisce about this and that, and post images and pictures. Yeah, wouldn't it be great? And Kevin actually made a post on there. It goes something something to the effect of, you know, I. I I miss coloring those comic books. That was sure a lot of fun. So I'm like, I sent him a private message. I said, so do you really miss coloring comic books? Because, you know, I got a thing. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so we started sending messages back and forth. And uh, basically we roped Kevin in. And and I think he's he's enjoyed the ride so far. Very good. Absolutely. Very good. Very good. Now we get back to Barb for a second. As far as you know, Dean's artwork. You know, because Kevin talked about adding atmosphere. Uh, some inkers tend like like when John burning somebody, he makes them look like John Byrne. And I always get frustrated with that. Talk about what, what you were going to accomplish when you were inking Dean. Was there something you were – were you trying to bring out his artwork? Were you trying to you know make something happen? What was it that you were doing? Well, one of the things that I have always been known for for the entire almost 30 years that I've been doing that is that I never, never subsume the pencils. Mm. The pencil, pencils are always going to be very obviously the penciler. I'm there simply to complement his lines, maybe adds a little drama, a little texture. I really like to add texture, mm-hmm. um, but nobody is ever, ever going to mistake it for, oh, that's, sim- that's just Barb and nobody else. Um, Everybody's going to see the the pencils. Uh, I'm just there to compliment them. That's my job. That may be why you're popular. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very versatile too. If you want, you know, uh, a penciler wants something to look like this, I'll make it look like this. If somebody wants it to look like, well, for instance, I did She-Hulk one time, and the and the editor said, "Can you give her burn hair?" Oh, <laughs> I said, sure, I can do that. I'm a, I'm a good forger. I'm a good faker. I can, I can imitate anybody. Wow. Okay. Because there, are, like I said, when I would see Burn Ink something, I would I didn't know who the artist was. I'd have to look in the credits to figure out who it was that was the original artist because he would just smother them with his his style. Exactly. So I always friends. And, so that's neat that you can do that. That you can actually bring out you know aspects of the art rather than try to cover it with what you want. Yeah, That's never good. been my thing. That's good. And Dean has thusly dubbed her, or, or, or did you have this title before? Empress of Inks. Well, he, I, he, I think, originally came up with it years ago, and I, okay. I'm 
my business cards that say that now. Okay, <laughs> all right. So yeah, she she is the Empress of Inks. Very good, very she good. Well, you can see on the, the samples of artwork on the Kickstarter page, and so it's very, very good. You get to see that the artwork looks great. I I, I, I mentioned to Kevin uh, previously that I really liked uh, the gradiated fills and stuff like that. So I like the way he does those kinds of things. Like there's a cover on there that has it starts out with blue on the top. By the time it gets to the bottom, it's kind of orange, which I liked. So I like the and also there's a background. There's like a night sky in the back. It's, it's lighter to the bottom than it is on the on the top. So I think you guys, when you work together, I think you bring out the best in each other. It seems like because not everybody can do that. So I I think you guys are a great team when it comes to this kind of stuff. I, I mentioned Beatles earlier, right? <laughs> so the Kickstarter's doing real well. Oh yeah, the Kickstarter's doing real well. And you guys, that's going to see. It's going to conclude on Thursday, the thirty-first, at noon Eastern time. That's when right. it's going to yes. end. And as we stand now, you were saying that you've we, we've obviously gotten past the the original goals into the stretch goals. How many stretch goals did you say you guys have gotten so far, Roland? So we've got we we just unlocked the third one uh, yesterday. So we have uh, successfully unlocked. Three stretch goals. Mm -hmm. um, we still have. Uh, I'm trying to pop it open real quick mm -hmm. uh, to see exactly because I think there are four left. I think we we had a total of seven. Mm -hmm. uh, my internet's it's thinking it's opening so okay. it always has to do that every once in a while. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So we just unlocked a 170. So one, two, three, four. Yeah. So we still have three, uh, four left to go. Um, the, the next one, of course, will be a uh, trading card, and it will be a uh, the first in a series. We we talked about this a little bit. And we we kind of talked about, hey, let's do a whole bunch of trading cards, but like you know, it'll be more fun because we're going to do all four issues on Kickstarter. So rather than do an entire set now, mm -hmm. let's do a card with this issue, a card with number two, a card with number three, and that way you get to collect the you know our backers then get to collect the whole set by supporting all uh, uh, all of the issues. Um, so that's the very next one to uh, to unlock, and then we've got um, also coming up after that. There's a print for the standard uh, cover to Cat and Mouse one, and then we've been talking to a an audio uh, company out in California about the possibility of doing an audio version of the book. Now uh, this may this may take some some folks uh either some youtube skills or a few years experience uh but this this comes from the idea i don't know if you guys may remember power records mm -hmm. uh and i used to have the captain america power records in which essentially you put on the record and it would read the book to you including mm -hmm. some sound effects that it would toss in as you literally flip through the comic it would read it to you with voice actors and that kind of thing mm -hmm. so um so yeah that that's uh, one of the stretch goals and of course that's one that would be uh, available to everyone mm -hmm. uh if we can hit that and then the final uh stretch goal if we can hit 250 backers mm -hmm. all right if we can get 250 backers we'll get enamel pins mm -hmm. for uh folks that at a Certain print uh, print level and high higher. Mm. So okay, very good. And Kevin, by the way, the co the cover I was thinking of doesn't end with the red. It goes it ends in green. So it's blue to red to green, which I really like. I just love the way that the colors look on that. I didn't remember the green, but now I, once I looked at it, whoops, I didn't mention the green. I don't mention <laughs> that. It resonates. I'm I'm glad it uh, it's it's resonating with you uh, because it's it, that, that that means a lot because 
it's important for this to, to, to stick in, in your head for me. <laughs> well, visuals are always on Christine's art and, and Barb's inks. It all, it all comes together superbly, I just think. So it's a, oh, a great yeah. way to do it. Thank you. But uh, as far as now, this one is for the first issue. It's, this is, yes. uh, there's four issues, and my understanding, it's, is this saddle-stitched? Yes, it will be a, a traditional stapled slash saddle-stitched saddle comic. Okay. Uh, 20, 22 pages of story and art. So, well, since you've already met your goal, uh, it's it's very likely that you're going to get all this good money, which is always a good thing. It's just a wonderful thing when this this happens, and it's a real good story. I really like the fact that it's going to you know you've got a, a you basically said you're done with the first issue at this point. Is that right? Absolutely. Yeah. We've got we've got a couple little editorial type tweaks to do over the next forty eight hours, okay. but yeah, we're done. Very good, very good. So this is the time to jump on. This is when you get the extra stuff. So Absolutely. Do not sit back and say, oh, it's over. I don't have to worry about that. This is the time to get in there and make things happen, give it even farther along. One of the things we did um, this little bit, you know, most stretch goals are based on money. And we kind of kicked it around a little bit. And what we really want, particularly for this first issue, uh, we want eyeballs. We, we want folks to see it. We want uh, people to you know get it in their hands. So we decided to make our, our, our stretch goals based on the number of backers. And our the lowest pledge you can make is four bucks, and that gets you the PDF of the first issue. So you're like, yeah, I don't know whether I want to try it out or not. Uh, but you know, most people have got four bucks that they're willing to try out something new. Uh, and so four dollars, four dollars only gets you the PDF of the entire comic so that you can read it and check it out. And it's our genuine belief and hope, uh, of course, that you'll read this first issue and go, oh, you know what? All right. I'm in for the print copy for when when number two comes around, and maybe I'm going to look at some original some original art, some of the other stuff, some of the other rewards that comes uh, comes with it. So that's kind of our hope. So our our stretch goals are based on number of backers and not number of dollars. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's a little something for everybody there. Well, the number of dollars don't hurt either. Well, no, they don't. <laughs> and, and you know, we need some of those, obviously, to because uh, you know, stretch goals are all about getting extra stuff. And mm-hmm. it, you know, if we slide in bookmarks and and trading cards and stickers, we we got to pay to get those done. Right. So it, it's it's not that we can just you know, oh, I've got a whole bunch of them sitting here to toss to you. No, that's, yeah. that's not the way we got to pay to have them made. Right. So yeah, but you're right. The money doesn't the money doesn't hurt either. Okay. Again, it's going to end on. May 31st. And we want to make sure that we get the money in there so that you can help and support. Now, the money won't come out until that time when the when the uh, campaign ends. Correct. So if you want to go ahead and, and get in there and kind of jump on board, now's the time to do it. Don't wait until it's over, and then you have yeah. to kind of – but that's a good question, Roland. If, if you don't support it during the Kickstarter, how are you going to get a hold of Cat and Mouse? Well, um, we haven't talked about exactly the the avenues yet. Uh, Obviously, we want to finish the series uh, before we look at any kind of traditional channels. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, the the lot of us will be – I know we do shows, Mm -hmm. uh, so the lot of us will will hopefully have some books with us that you'll be able to pick up. Um, We've got some retailers pledging uh, to support the project, which that's real excited. I know uh, Dean uh, helped me out here. What's 901 Comics? Yes. Yeah, 901 Comics uh, in in Memphis uh, is one of our uh, backers, and Dean's already um, lined up to sign uh, sign copies there. So yeah, if you if you if you miss the Kickstarter, but here's the other thing: 
if you missed the Kickstarter for the first issue, we're coming back for number two. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we're not done. It's just if you missed the first one, you should smack yourself on the wrist and say, man, why did I let that one get by me? <laughs> and, you know, I, I think uh, we've mentioned this before. I think one of the reasons why we've done so well on this Kickstarter is because the book is done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's ready. You know, it's not like we have a dream and if you fund us we'll get started on something and maybe you'll see something someday right be cool wouldn't it yeah there was like that it's got a book there was a guy that the guy did it one time he said he wanted to make a comic and he had this idea and he wanted five thousand dollars to do it and i was like yeah what if you get to five thousand dollars you change your mind you don't want to do it anymore Uh, yeah that's right. We so, lost the so a trip instead. Yeah. So yeah, and that's another thing to point out because because it is done. You'll notice that the pledge, the, the rewards are going to be delivered in July. Our, our Kickstarter ends May thirty first, mm-hmm. and so we're talking the 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 rewards will be delivered July. Okay, so I'm not promising July first, mm-hmm. but in July. So you've only got thirty days before you get to July. So the the fulfillment for these rewards is going to come pretty quickly. Good. Very and, good. And we're all, we're all seasoned professionals, so we knew what we were doing when we, you know, got into this. We weren't trying to, you know, trying out for the first time to see if we could accomplish something. We've always, uh, we were all seasoned and have made goals and deadlines before. So cool. Well, that's why it looks so good. I think it, you guys really put everything into it and made it happen. It's, it's really terrific looking. So, of course, I always like to ask people, and we'll, ladies first, we'll start with Barb, is if people want to uh, keep up with you and follow your, your projects and things like that online, what's the place to do that? Well, I'm very, very fortunate in that, aside from my sister-in-law, who isn't online, I am the only Barbara Kalberg in the world. Hmm. So it's very, very easy to Google me. You'll get about, I don't know, 24,000 sites. Um, <laughs> just uh, if you want to just Google uh, Barbara Kalberg DeviantArt, you'll come up with my uh, online resume. I've got um, old projects on there, new projects, before and after shots. I'm on Facebook. It's easy to find and follow me on Facebook because, again, I'm the only Barbara Kalberg there. So I'm fairly easy to find. Now, it's two A's, right? Just so we want to make sure people know when they get your last name. It's K-A-A-L-B-E-R-G. Okay, just so make sure it's there. Now, what about conventions, Barb? Do you go to conventions very often, or do you get to see these guys in person every once in a while? How's that work? I live in the north. They all live south of the Mason-Dixon line, so I'll know. <laughs> um, I, I will be doing Wizard World in Madison here in uh, first couple of days of December. I'll... I'll also be going to um, the San Diego Con, but I won't. I won't have a table. Okay. I'll okay. just be hanging out. Okay. I'll be going to Malibu functions. They're going to be doing a, a 25th anniversary type thing. Oh. Cool. Cool. Yeah. So, so all if you've got books that you want to get signed, go to the Malibu reunion thing or the Malibu uh, anniversary and hit her up there. Yeah. Very good, very good. Okay, Roland, how about you? Because I, I see you at conventions because you and I live in the same part of the country in yep. Central Florida. Talk about, uh, well, let's start. How do people keep track of, of the things you're working on? Sure. The, uh, two good places to find me are uh, I'm on Twitter at uh, Man Roland, M-A-N-N-R-O-L-A-N-D. And then they can find me on Facebook at Roland Man Author. Um, pretty easy, Pretty easy to find me. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and those are the best. Those are the best. But I mean, I do. I have some of the other, you know, Google Plus and all that other kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. those are the, the. Those are probably the best places. Okay, and conventions that you're going to be doing that that you can talk about. Which ones do you have in your future? Uh, so let's see. The next conventions uh, I've got coming up. I think. Um, let's see here. The first one I've got is in August. I will be going to uh, Pikeville, Kentucky, at the Pikeville Comic Con. Uh, it'll be my second year there. The first year there was fantastic, uh, and I'm looking forward to uh, going back to the second year. And then uh, that's in August. Then in uh, November, I've got two shows. Uh, both of them with Dean, which is kind of exciting. Um, the two of us will be going to Comic Con Conway, which is in Conway, Arkansas. I've heard fantastic things about this show. It will be my first time there. And then uh, there's a show in Memphis, Dean. I don't recall the name of it right off the top of my head. It's, it, a- it's called Memphis Comic and Fantasy Con. It's being held at Graceland. Uh, at the guest house at Graceland, which is a fancy name for their convention center there. Um, so uh, you get to uh, go visit Elvis's house and then come by and see some comic books. So it's kind of fun. And, and, and see, after you after you get a uh, pick up your copy or get your copy of Cat and Mouse signed, uh, me and Dean, the, the both of us will say, Thank you. Like a remote. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, Dean, he's, he's brought you into this, Dean. Why don't we go, go to you next? As far oh, as sure. as people sure. tracking you on the Internet, where can they find out about your projects on the Internet? Okay. You can find me most easily at uh, Facebook, Dean Zachary Artist, uh, Z-A-C-H-A-R-Y. Uh, I'm on Twitter, uh, Zachary underscore Dean. Uh, I'm on Comic. Vine. Let's look up Dean Zachary. And if, you, if you're interested in my resume, what I've already done uh, way back in the 90s and beyond. Um, and But those are probably the three biggest ones. I'm, I'm, I'm also on comic book, uh, uh, comic art, all over the place. If you put my name in Google, it'll, a bunch of stuff will pop up, you know. So, uh, but those are the two easiest ones, Facebook and, and Twitter. Okay, as far as conventions that, that you and Roland aren't going to, just you, are there ones that you're going to that uh, he didn't get the chance to mention? Um, he didn't get the chance to mention um, that we're, well, we are going to both be appearing in December, uh, early December, I think it's December the 8th, in Nashville. Uh, at the Nashville uh, Horror and Comic Show there, which is their, I believe it's their 25th anniversary also. So it's going to be a big a big show. Um, I'm doing a signing, as Roland mentioned earlier, at uh, a local comic shop, 901 Comics, which uh, is going to be the exclusive first appearance of the print version of Cat and Mouse uh, that I'm aware of anyway. That's about it. I'm not doing any shows this summer primarily because I'm going to be busy drawing issues two, three, and four. Okay. Make sure that Woo-hoo. they're then out on time. So they're very good. Very good. Okay. And Kevin, we'll get back to yeah. you and talk with you. Where are you going to be at conventions? I'll probably be on my floor in the living room. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I need. I don't get out very often. I'm gonna be. Uh, I'm, you guys are making me look terrible. Um, yeah. Actually, to be quite honest with you, I'm hoping that this book gets me in a lot of comic book conventions. Mm-hmm. I want to be there pushing this book. Okay. Um, and um, yeah, I don't have anything scheduled, but 
uh, I do have uh, my website uh, in case anyone wants to, to look at some of my weird stuff. Uh, it's the tacky tiki t-i-k-i dot com and that's got a bunch of my uh, samples of old uh, Malibu and Marvel work and uh, and some really uh, also, cool tiki stuff yeah a bunch of tiki stuff and a bunch of my, my reel of uh, my special stuff so it's a, a bunch of stuff so that that's really the best place uh, to look at my stuff and I've got my email it's kevingallagly at gmail dot com and Sorry for the Detroit auto worker named Kevin Gallagly. <laughs> it's not me. <laughs> Believe it or not, there is one. Okay, well, see, Barb's got the advantage on this one, but you don't. Hey, no, I sure <laughs> thought I'd be original. <laughs> but, but, yeah, I, I'm on uh, Instagram, just my name, Kevin Gallagly, and it, it, chances are it will be me or it will be annoying some other guy. Okay. But, um, <laughs> Are you guys going to make a thing where you guys, the four of you, can get together at a con sometime? To. We would. Yeah, we, we would love to make that happen. You know, maybe this is something that uh, you know, as we as we move forward, this this should be something. At least I'm sitting here thinking, maybe this is something we try to at least make sure we try to make happen when we complete the series. <laughs> it might it might be difficult to do as we you know with issue one obviously issue two, but but if we can. We can work hard to make it happen when we're kind of done. That that would be very cool, I think. Mm-hmm. Or else, at least we can meet halfway. I mean, you guys are down in the south, and I'm in Madison, Wisconsin. Maybe like St. Louis or something. Who knows? Yeah, but Kevin's way out in California. Oh, yeah. Well, he'll have to fly in. But I'm West Coast. You know, we should get we should get like a show in St. Louis or something like that. Yeah, about the middle, but it's a show in St. Louis yeah. to bring us in. Any show in Oklahoma? Any show in St. Louis that's listening, you know, this is your chance. Right. Schedule early, contact Roland, and get this, the, the four of them together and, and set up for when this happens. And by the way, I'll add that we are willing to make exclusive uh, covers happen for stores or conventions uh, if, they want that, uh, if they want to arrange that. We, we, can, we can make it happen. Very good. Well, it's a great book. It's already a success as far as Kickstarter goes, and so we've got many more success levels to accomplish, and I think you guys are going to do that because it's a great book and lots of fun, and you guys really can make things happen, so it's not going to be a problem for you to, to turn this into a huge success. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. And that's a wrap for this episode. If this weekend is a holiday one for you, have a great time. And even if it isn't, we'll see you next week. So until then, keep reading your comics.